0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. As you know, we are in a sermon series uh, reading through the Psalms of Ascents, which are the 15 songs the Israelites would sing as they journeyed up to Jerusalem for holy days. Today, uh, we're going to be looking at and reading together Psalm 130. Now, in addition to being a song of ascent, Psalm 130 is also a penitent psalm, which is simply a prayer to God expressing deep sorrow over sin. So, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 130. It's also printed in your order of worship. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is God's word given to us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for gathering us together this morning, and as we look at this psalm together, we ask that you would draw us closer to your son, Jesus, and that you would grow in us steadfast love for you and for our neighbor. Spirit, would you be our teacher this morning? Would you teach our hearts what it means to hope and to rest in you and your word? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was about uh, 12 years old, I was at my best friend Thomas' house. He just lived right around the corner from, from me. And we were messing around in the backyard with my BB gun. Thomas's parents had just put in a, a beautiful set of sliding glass doors leading to the backyard. Now, with only those details... You could probably predict where this story is going, and it goes exactly how you think it does. Thomas's parents were not home, and my parents were not aware that I had brought my BB gun over to his house. And so Thomas and I are standing in the backyard on his patio, shooting soda cans and having a fantastic time. But at some point, as I was holding the BB gun, I turned to look back at the house And I accidentally pulled the trigger and shot a BB. And the glass, the glass door just explodes everywhere. Glass is flying everywhere. Imagine the horror on a 12-year-old kid watching the glass door of his best friend's house crumble and fall to the ground. I knew in that moment I was in deep, deep trouble. I couldn't cover it up. I couldn't blame anyone else. I felt like my life was over. Now I think this feeling is something like what the psalmist is expressing at the beginning of Psalm 130. He has gotten himself into deep trouble and he is powerless to get himself out of it. Now as we look at this psalm together, I want us to see three things. First, that God invites us to come to him as we are. Second, The psalmist's prayer reflects what he knows about God's character. And third, that God's redemption is far more abundant than we could ask or imagine. So first, God invites us to come to him as we are. Here's how the psalmist begins. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now in Hebrew, the the metaphor in the depths evokes a person being caught in dangerous and deep waters. And he's also in the same breath, asking God for mercy. Now it's clear later in the psalm that the situation that he finds himself in has been brought about by his own sin. Now, we don't know what he's done, we don't know how big or small his sin is, but it's clear that the consequences that he has brought on himself are completely overwhelming. It's like he's in deep water and he doesn't know how to swim. And yet, and yet we, we see that he isn't ashamed to come to God at his worst when he has broken something. He doesn't follow a formula, he just cries out to God for help. Now, we don't all find ourselves in the depths this morning, but we will all have moments or even seasons where we experience the depths. And when we do, Psalm thirty, Psalm 130 reminds us that God, that asking God for help is actually a sign of the security of our relationship with him. The psalmist's prayer reassures us that crying out for help can be a form of praise to God just like singing worship songs or thanking him for his provision. And actually, the length of time it takes for us to cry out to God when we're in trouble, especially when it's trouble of our own making, is a good indicator of what kind of God we perceive him to be and how we think he perceives us. Because if we do everything we can to fix things on our own or we make ourselves presentable before we ask him for help, it either means that deep down we think that our sin isn't so bad or we think that we are so bad that he won't come through for us this time. Now this leads us to the second thing I want us to see this morning. The psalmist's prayer reflects what he knows about God's character. The psalmist is approaching God with a sense of deep confidence and assurance. He has a working assumption that God is actually paying attention and he cares about the trouble that he is in. That God, God has been waiting to hear from him with an attentive ear, like a parent who is always listening for their infant And responds immediately when they cry. And furthermore, the psalmist seems to have a certain expectation of the posture or the tone with which God will respond to him. He doesn't seem to expect that God will be like an angry parent who says, What do you need from me this time? No, he he fully expects God's mercy and God's care. And so let me just ask, when we approach God in times of difficulty or distress, how do you imagine his posture towards you? Does your body get tense? Do you start making promises that you'll do better because you think that he is tired of hearing from you again? If that is our expected response. Scripture is clear that it is coming from somewhere other than God. It may be what we've grown accustomed to from other people, but this psalm offers us a picture of God whose tone towards us when we come to him in trouble is one of mercy and rescue. In verses 3 and 4, he writes, "'If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord,' Who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. In other words, God doesn't treat us as our worst behavior, thoughts, or words deserve. But instead, he treats us as beloved daughters and sons. What I love here is that the psalmist is holding up two complex realities together at the same time for us to see. The first is that our sin should separate us from a holy God. And number two, that God Himself clears the way for relationship with Him. We don't deserve it, but, but He gives Himself to us. And, church, this is mercy. This is kindness. This is love. And because of these realities, the psalmist feels Himself. Drawn to worship. He can't help it. I mean, this is what Paul affirms in Romans 2.4: That it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is his kindness that leads, him, leads us back home to himself. And in the midst of his mess, the psalmist feels comfortable in moving closer to God. And has expectation that God will walk with him through it to the other side. Now, this might be kind of a silly story, but earlier this week, I was sitting on my deck reading, and my dog was lying next to my chair in the sun. And our, our next-door neighbors uh, were outside. They were working on their yard, but we couldn't see them over the fence. And so my dog was, was lying there fast asleep. But every time one of my neighbors would say something, her tail would start flopping. And here's why. These are the best neighbors ever. They are just kind, generous people. Like when we first met, moved in and we, have a, we had a newborn baby, and they just would come over and start mowing our lawn without asking until we actually bought a lawnmower. They always have a kind word, they always have a few moments to chat with our kids. You know, they are just those kinds of people. And so it makes sense to me that my dog associates their voices with goodness, with kindness, to the point where her tail wags even in her sleep when she encounters them. And church, God is kinder and more generous than the best of neighbors. And it's hard for us often to imagine this because we live in a world where this kind of love and kindness is scarce. But I think the more that we grow to know God like the psalmist knows him, the more that not just our minds, but our bodies, our gut, our instincts, our emotions will change in response to him. And unfortunately, it doesn't work the other way around. We can't just tell ourselves to love him more, to trust him more, to hope in him more. We have to actually start to experience his goodness towards us, his kind heart towards us, his gentleness towards us when we're in trouble. And what if, what if when we make a mess of things, we knew that we could lean into the help of our good father? What if we were able to trust him in our gut? Well, it would, it would put an end to our scrambling to cover up our sin. It would put an end to our games of stonewalling and shifting blame. I mean, this is what Paul prays for us in his letter to the Ephesians that we heard Ben read. Hear this again. Soak it in. Paul says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This kind of love, it changes us. And it changes the world around us. And so, thirdly, God's redemption is far more abundant than we could ask or imagine. In the last two verses of Psalm 130, the psalmist shifts from talking to God to talking to the people of God. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. From the place of darkness in which this psalm began, the psalmist is now able to see through the fog, through the darkness out to the other side. (laughs) And he's surprised that abundance and restoration await him there. Now, if you'll allow me, I want to return to the beginning. I want to return to the BB gun story and share with you how it ended. As soon as that glass shattered, I was scared that my parents would be furious and embarrass me in front of my friend, or that Thomas's parents would be so mad that they wouldn't let me come over again. But I also knew This was going to cause a lot of stress for my family because we scraped by financially. We lived paycheck to paycheck. And it would cause them a lot of trouble. But because I absolutely had no way to fix this thing on my own, I had no choice but to call my dad. And to my total surprise, he stopped what he was doing he came over to Thomas's house, and he checked out the damage. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget his words. He said, son, I'm glad you boys are okay. Money is just money. I will figure out how to pay for it. Just run it by me before you use the BB gun in the future. My dad took care of repairing the window because I couldn't do it. And most importantly, even though I had been the one to violate his trust, I came out of that situation with more trust in him. At least to my 12-year-old self, it would have been understandable for him to lay into me because of the difficulty that I created for him. But he influenced me more with his strong kindness than he would have with punishment or anger. And when I think about how his response impacted me, I think about what we heard Jesus say in our gospel lesson this morning. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If we can trust someone at the bottom it is easy to trust them at the top. And the bottom is exactly where God is really good at showing up. Why? Because there's no scarcity in God's economy. There's no part of him that is stingy towards us. Whether it is in drawing us back to him when we have strayed away or lifting up our head when we are heartbroken. When we're in sin, in the depths we see very few signs of life. But plentiful redemption is God breathing life into the things that you thought were dead. It's bringing colors into your world that you never knew existed. It's more than forgiveness. It is Jesus making all things new again. And as we grow in our experience of the love of God, little by little, we will begin to know in our bones that God is a God, a good father who is for us. And we know that he is for us because God's only son, Jesus, showed us in flesh and blood his strong kindness when he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He endured the depths of separation so that we will never be stuck there. And by his grace and goodness towards us, may we learn to say with all of God's people, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. You know, ultimately, when we find ourselves in the depths, this is our task It is to watch and wait with all our might for our Father to show up. You see, what the watchmen know is that dawn always comes. And what sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father know is that He is always at work in our behalf. That He holds us and His world in His hands and He always shows up. Let's encourage one another to watch and to wait And to put our hope in him. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful psalm. That reminds us that God, you are are attentive. That you hear us. And that you are concerned wherever we're at. Especially when we're in the depths. Father, may we be a people who call out to you. May we be a people who are unashamed to call out to you. And Father, may we, in those moments, may we wait for you. May we put our trust in you. And may we hope in you. And we thank you, Father, that you, you hold us. That even as we go into the depths, that you have been deeper. Your son has been deeper in the depths and will hold us there. And even now, he sits at the Father's right hand and he intercedes intercedes for us. And he knows our plight, and he wears it forever. Be with us now as we go from here. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.